Welcome to Changing the Channel with Joe Garner, a show about shifting our individual and collective beliefs on what is possible for the future of humanity. As our understanding of how our reality continues to shift, we are at a point of reunification between science and spirituality. What does the world look like when we break free from the generational trauma that has kept most humans playing small for thousands of years and step into our full power as the co-creators of this reality? I always ask that you keep an open mind with this podcast. Ask yourself what resonates with my truth at this time and what does not. Respect your intuition, but see if you can get through the whole show because there might be that little nugget Welcome back in the conversation to changing that the channel. I am you. joined today by Kevin Blaschild. He is a experienced chief HR officer with a deep expertise in culture, people development, leadership development, organizational development and planning, talent acquisition, benefits strategy, and employee well-being. Before starting I Love HR, Kevin transformed a five-person administrative HR team into a 15-person value-added business for his family's 400 million revenue, 850 employee distribution business. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Good to see you. Yeah, man. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we actually met at a meeting that you would put together on conscious capitalism, conscious capitalists here in Austin. And I thought it was a very cool and unique idea. So I wanted to bring you on the show and and just let the the listeners of Changing the Channel understand a little bit about where we're at in capitalism um, and what conscious capitalism can mean for society. Yeah, sounds good. So yeah, let's let's delve into it. Uh, from your experience, from your perspective, like what does conscious capitalism mean? Let's let's define it for everyone. Yeah. So I would I would probably define it as. A business that is aware of why it exists and it operates in alignment with that reason for existing and in alignment with its values. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of break it into two parts. It's like the awareness piece and the and the action piece. And I think when those two things are clear and aligned, I think that is what makes for a conscious business. Um, the more, I guess, detailed definition um, would be, you know, a business that's aware of its purpose, a business that's intentional about the culture and the environment that it wants to create, uh, a business that considers all of the different stakeholders that its existence impacts, um, you know, versus the traditional paradigm, which is typically more focused on, you know, ownership first and, and profits first, um, you know, maybe customers, maybe employees, um, but really considering all stakeholders um, in, a, in a, in a more even way, balanced way. Um, and then having leadership that is evolved in the sense that they're not operating by more traditional kind of command and control structures, but more conscious leadership choices. So yeah, that's kind so of how I break it apart. I want to take a minute from the show to share how you can support changing the channel. This show is my passion project. And if you feel called to support, the best place to start is by subscribing and sharing the podcast on whatever platform you're listening. You can also use the link in the show description to provide one-time or monthly support. 
Next would be to check out my website in the show notes where you can become a VIP of the show and check out the many offerings I have to support people on their journey. Finally, you can engage with the Q&A and polls to have a direct say in the direction of the show. I'm forever thankful for your support. And now, back to the show. Beautiful. So as a conscious leader, like you're in the HR space, how how does one kind of help define what a conscious leader is? You know, again, getting away from the the control aspect and moving to a little bit more of decentralized, a little bit more autonomy, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think that, I mean, there are, you know, and, and we could break apart the, the question of like, what does a conscious leader look like? But um, I think at a high level, it's ultimately a person who is, again, aware of what they want to achieve aware of what their values are. They work to behave in alignment with those values um, and do so in a way that inspires others to work together toward a common goal. Beautiful. How, from your perspective, from like an HR perspective, how would leadership find that purpose? Like, is there a, is there a system that you kind of take them through to find their purpose, what their why is? Yeah, I mean, I think it's totally, totally different for everybody, right? I think I always go back to kind of like, what is the genesis of the company? Why did the company start in the first place? Um, in some cases, it's born out of necessity, right? The, the founder or entrepreneur saw an opportunity that wasn't being met and had some sort of passionate reason for why they cared enough to start their business. In other cases, it may just be that the founder saw a profit opportunity and said, Hey, I could make a business out of this and make some money. Um, neither is, is better than the other or right or wrong. It's just, I think every company is different and falls somewhere on that spectrum of starting out of passion versus profit opportunity. So. I think it's important to just be aware of why, you know, and whatever that reason is, it's fine. Um, and then, and then going from there to really dig deeper into the, the why questions behind why did you start the business? Why does it matter to you? Why do you care? Um, what do we hope to achieve? What do we want the world to look like as a result of us existing or how do we want the world to be different? or as a result of us existing. Uh, And then you can start to, to uncover those kind of things. So um, yeah, it's, and I think it's interesting because again, every company starts somewhere different along that spectrum. From your perspective, as we start moving into the future, as we start uh, again, it, it does seem like there's a more ubiquitous amount of information that is coming out where, businesses, if they're not telling their story, people are finding out what their why is regardless. So as businesses, uh, I think there's probably an important step that some businesses need to do as far as getting in front of that why and being able to storytell. I think Apple does a really good job of storytelling what their why is, what their purpose is. Um, So is it beneficial to, to kind of command your why versus just allowing it to be up for discussion in the general public? I 
I do think it's important, the storytelling element of it. Um, to me, what's more important than that is the commitment to it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, storytelling um, can be used for a lot of purposes. And I think, you know, if you look at a company like Apple, you know, they're a great marketing company. Um, they might tell their story in a certain way, but is that the reality, right? I mean, I guess I'll just like drop a controversial topic. Are we okay with controversial conversations here? Anything goes on this podcast. I mean, like, you know, and I'm not like passing judgment, but like look at Apple as an example. They're a great storytelling company. They talk about a lot of things, but how many people talk about, you know, where they source their cobalt, right? right. Like dig into that, right? And and now they're, they're going to say, well, by, uh, or I think they say that, that by a certain point in time, they're going to, um, you know, be sustainably be. sourced cobalt and, you know, the right. experts will tell you it's not even possible that like 70% of the world's cobalt, I think it comes from Congo, like is slave labor. Um, so again, I don't know like the details. So like, it's easy to criticize or pass judgment, but like there are things where companies want to tell the story to make themselves like look good and more attractive to prospective employees, customers, things like that, um, or just PR. But the question is like, how committed are you actually to it? Um, I think that's, that's more important than storytelling because storytelling, it can be a negative, right? Because if people see you acting out of alignment with the story that you're telling, um, now you look hypocritical. Right. Which... So people, yeah, they look at the actions and, and eventually like the truth shines through. And if you're, if you're operating in a way that's counter to the story you're telling, I think it's a bigger negative. Right. And that, that's, that's kind of the idea behind the information getting out. Like, uh, again, good storytellers, good marketing companies, they're going to start their, their truth is going to start coming out whether they want it to be the truth or not. So, yeah. you know, they have to get in front of that and, and again, this these this goes a little bit deeper than just like one company. It's like, okay, we're building mm -hmm. our society around a technology that that does have finite resources that requires mm -hmm. finite resources to be to be building it. And is there other options? Is there any way to go around the the way that we're doing things right now? Um, and then you kind of get into the whole idea of there's a profitable amount of businesses that have been built around this way that we're building things. And to switch that would mean a, a change in guard would mean a change, you know, again, these companies could, could be at the forefront of this. Uh, and, and you can kind of take like the energy sector for, for mm -hmm. uh, uh, an instance, like most of the large oil companies are now in the green energy sector and they're, they're spending a lot of money uh, to research and develop and, and figure out that stuff. But there is still a, there's less of an incentive for them to do it than there is for a brand new company or a public private partnership or something along those lines to do it. So uh, again, we're kind of walking this very complicated uh, idea of what is best for society. So uh, from your perspective, you know, is there a, is there a better way to structure companies that would maybe make it a less profit profitized incentive and a little bit more um, open and honest with with what they're doing? Yeah, I, I to me, I don't think it's as much about structure as it is about culture. 
Okay. I think it's about, um, and it starts with the foremost leadership of an organization, um, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk to say, this is what we prioritize and this is how we're going to operate and doing that themselves and then, you know, holding the rest of the company accountable for doing that too. So I think it's more culture than structure personally. Right. And is there is there any incentive for somebody to do that? Is there any evidence base that the more conscious and open and and you know true that you are to your to your passion to your why, the yeah. again it, it trickles down into the bottom line at some point, right? Yeah, I always find it funny because a lot of people do talk about like how like for purpose companies like they do so well in terms of profitability and they're like there's like this is the reason that you should do it. And it always makes me laugh because I'm like, well, if the only reason that you want to become right. like a more purpose driven company is to be more profitable, like that's the incentive that you were throughout there, then it's like what's really changed, right? So, I think that companies should want to do that because it's the right thing to do and that's how the people want to live right um yeah that is that is a uh, it, it, it almost has to come from you know the societal level at that point right it's like the the change that is happening is going to be at at the individual level versus the 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 large-scale company or uh, really any level above the individual because the individual is going to say, hey, I'm only going to buy X products because they're sourced, you know, properly. They are, um, they're a product that I can get behind that I want to buy. And then you kind of run into, you know, wh what is the limitations of that is because there's, there's certain products that are sourced properly that are five times more expensive than other products. So, can everyone afford that? And then you get into this this whole idea. You know, where where do we go from from that idea? You know, that that this yeah. Is a I societies. Mean, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, groups of people are just made up of individuals, right? So, like, right. W what is societal change if not just mass individual shifts, right? So, uh, yeah, I think everything needs to happen on an individual level. And I think that's one of the, I'm just searching for the right word here. Like one of the biggest, I don't want to say like problems with society is that like, you know, it's like that quote, that's like, everybody wants change, but no one wants to change. It's like, well, if you want right. to change, then you have to change. You can't just expect the world around you to change because you think that things are wrong. It's like, well, like, what are you doing? Because at the end of the day, there's no government, there's no companies, there's no, they're just groups of people. They're groups of individuals. So, you know, if, if we have this society where large, large groups of people are just looking for, you know, the government to write a new policy or the company to write a new policy so that things can change. Um, ultimately all that is, is just more structures for control based on pref, uh, I, should, I don't know if I should say preference, but like what we believe is right or what we want. 
Um, and everybody has a different perspective and everybody has different ideas around what's right, what's wrong, what we believe, what we value. So yeah, I think everything comes down to individual change ultimately. Yeah. And that's kind of the basis of, of changing the channel. It's that, you know, if you want your external reality to change, you have to change the internal reality. And I think you're doing a, a pretty cool thing, you know, promoting conscious capitalism, putting it out into the, into the, the sphere of, of knowledge, into the sphere of influence and really trying to get, make that, make that change, uh, at the individual level. Because again, it, you know, if, if we leave it up to the organizations to regulate themselves or the government to regulate the organizations that are mm -hmm. paying for the government to be in power, then the change is never going to come. The change is going to come when we all as individuals say, hey, we don't want to deal. We don't want to be into in this program or in this system or we're going to negatively impact your bottom line if you guys don't begin to change begin to shift the way that you're doing things yeah i mean it's like i don't know if you've ever like read any osho but like you know what he talks about is like the most perfect the ideal society there are no laws mm -hmm. you know it's not like realistic today obviously but the reason that it's the ideal society is because people are so centered and grounded in right values and right action that we don't need laws to govern us, right? Like you and I don't need certain laws to exist to prevent us from doing certain behaviors, right? Right. We don't like, I don't steal stuff from other people, not because a law says I can't or shouldn't right. because I just, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to, it's wrong. There are many reasons why I don't, you know, so to your point, like, yeah, we can't rely on institutions to try to tell, like draw the lines for us. Because when we do, ultimately that means people fighting over power for who's in control of the institutions that get to draw the line. And that's, that's the political fighting that we, you know, humans have seen for, you know, many, many thousands of years. And it's certainly exacerbated right now. Right. And yeah, it does feel like there is there is this movement towards um, healing the self, healing the person, healing the totally. individual. Totally. Um, and that's that that's what I think the internet has done a very good job of is getting this information out that that there are these new healing modalities, that there are these new ideas that are coming into existence. Not only just talk therapy, not. Um, psychologically based ideas but also energy based ideas that that do help humans heal the the trauma the pain the 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 negative aspects that they have about either themselves or society or uh their limited ability to make change in the world because at the end of the day each one of us is creating the reality that we live in right we're all yeah. creating this reality inside of our mind and when you change the reality that you're creating in your mind, the external world now now begins to change and becomes that thing that you're looking for. You you start to um, externalize the internal change that you've made. Uh, and I think I'm sure Osho talks about this. This is a fundamental Buddhist approach to how to change the world. You change yourself first and then yeah. the, the external world changes. So. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that was, I think, Buddha, right? Said, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world, or is it Dalai Lama? Yeah. 
I think maybe Buddha. I think Buddha um, said that. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, totally. Um, I think the world is definitely going through, you know, a lot of uh, healing, I think. Uh, and I mean, what I'm saying is not novel by any means, but I think a lot of people realize that the, you know, 2020 COVID situation uh, really was a, a kickstart for a lot of healing, a lot of awakening, a lot of um, sun shining of, of the light being shined on certain truths that have been either, you know, hidden or concealed or, or just not talked about as, as much. And it's led to a lot of, you know, upheaval and things like that. But a lot of it is, um, you know, it's, it's for, yeah, for the purposes of, of healing uh, on an individual and collective level. Yeah. Now, from from your perspective in the HR world, have you seen this shift? I mean, you got into it 12, 15 years ago to, not to where long. we not that long ago, at <laughs> no. least 10, 10 years ago. Um, I've, I've been uh, in the HR field for about six years now. Six um, years. OK. Yeah. My 10 years total, that was um, going back to when I graduated college. Oh, gotcha. So you've been in it for six years. I mean, have you seen in any HR? any shift any change in in the hr policies and in, in what you know some of these larger organizations are saying about what hr should and shouldn't be yeah i mean there's a lot of talk about a lot of these things about um, a bigger focus on employee well-being mental health things like that um you know and I, I think everybody sees it and hears about it um yeah so so i i think it's a lot of the things that that people I don't have any uh, unique perspective on that. Like, oh, I'm seeing something different. Uh, the only thing I would say is, again, I think it's a lot of a lot of talk. I think only some companies are actually doing it well and know how to do it well. You know, there are different ways to invest in employee well-being. Um, you know, when I was, you know, with my family's business, we did it one way. We did it all, you know, in-house. And it was really successful. There are a lot of outsourced solutions and, you know, it's just like anything. There are good companies out there and they're crappy ones, right? It's just like anything. There's, you get a full spectrum. So some do a great job of it. Others, you know, it's just something that they say we have, but is it really actually making an impact? Um, you know, but, but the bigger thing that I think about when it comes to like employee well-being is... To me, it's more like a Band-Aid for like the, a person's work environment and life. Hopefully, like ideally, it shouldn't be so bad that you need these remedial things just to get you back to equilibrium, right? Like just to get you back to neutral. So I think a lot of it, these companies are investing in employee well-being, but it's super reactive in that way. And they're not really examining like what are the root causes? Why, you know, why do our people hate work so much that we need to invest in this in the first place? I'm not saying investing in it is bad. I think investing in it's great, but ideally, it should take people north of neutral, not, um, yeah. So that that's just kind of my perspective on it. That's interesting, and and that that's a very uh, Western medicine approach to healing the problem in in your yeah. company. It's like let's let's address the symptoms. Let's not not look at the root cause let's not look at why these people are having that effect so yeah well and i think it goes back to like kind of what you were talking about of like 
that internal environment, like people, it seems to me, maybe I'm off base, but I don't think that most people, at least in America, are brought up in, in a way where they're told like, you can thrive, you know, life can be amazing. It can be this beautiful ride, right? The message that's preached to us is like more along the lines of like security. Like you got to like go to school, get good grades, get a good job so that you can be able to pay your bills and put a roof over your head. And obviously those things are important, but like if that's your focus and you're working in a job that you hate because your values that you've internalized are security is more important than you know, inner happiness and peace. Not that one ever has to take precedence over the other, but if you have a very, very clear hierarchy that you are willing to sacrifice right. those things for security, um, I think it's going to, yeah, like lead to a lot of what we see today, which is people who, who don't even consider the fact that life can be amazing. They're just kind of hanging on till retirement. It's like, just put in my hours. And then by the time I'm 60, 70 years old, then I can sort of coast and ride it out. Right. Um, and, you know, we should enjoy life all the time. Not all the time, like, as in like, be happy all the time, but like, we should, you know, we should be able to experience the fullness of life throughout our entire life. Right. It, your your employment doesn't have to be 70% of who you are and what you do. And the reason you're doing it is so that on the on the weekends you get to enjoy a little bit of time in between the sunday scaries and friday afternoon happy hour yeah yeah i think most people look at work as like sort of like paying their dues right for their free time like i do this so that i can you know be able to enjoy my free time when um ideally we would have a planet full of people who are aware of you know their their purpose and their passion and find or, or engage in work that honors that where they can bring their unique gifts into the world in a way that they can um, meet their basic needs um, and they don't have the have to feel the need to separate work you know as this thing that they do so that they can have the means to go live their life right so how do we get from where we are right now in this uh, very transactional system that we've mm -hmm. that we've been indoctrinated into? Again, you and I didn't build this system, and I don't even think mm -hmm. the people that are running the system necessarily built the system. This is an artifact of hundreds, if not thousands, of years, at least since the Industrial Revolution. You know, the first yeah. Industrial Revolution is an artifact of how they built society. So mm -hmm. how do we how do we move what do you see any steps to going from that society, from that perspective to a, a little bit more open perspective on what work can be? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think first of all, I mean, it definitely, obviously the structure has evolved, right? So like when you say artifact, like I, I agree, but I, I think we should, I guess, pause and say like, well, it, it's not like fully, it's not like it's, you know, this dinosaur that hasn't changed in, you know, 300 years, right? Um, I think things have evolved for the better, no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, I think that said, though, to answer your question, I mean, to me, it's about, um, again, going back to like the conversation about individual change 
I think it's just about values. I think it's about people deciding for themselves what do they value, right? You're, you know, all, so many of all of us, I guess, have, you know, values and beliefs programmed into us. And a lot of people don't stop to say, wait, is that actually what I believe? Or was that just told to me? And now I'm attached to that belief. But like, if I stop and pause and like kind of wipe away all that noise, like, what do I believe? What's important to me? How do I want to live my life beyond the kind of social norms and expectations that have, you know, sort of been programmed in all of us, you know, whether it's by parents or schools or you know, religious institutions or, or whatnot. So I think it's just an individual exercise of reconnecting to ourselves and um, reconnecting to ourselves and finding out for ourselves what we value and then committing to living our lives in a way that honor those values and saying no to things that don't align. Yeah, that's a, a beautiful message. And I think there's a lot of science, there's a lot of technology, there's a lot of ancient science, spiritual science that can help you connect to your purpose, connect to the reason that you've incarnated on the planet, that you've come to yeah. this, this three-dimensional reality to experience whatever you're here to experience. And, and it is, it's slowing down. I think meditation is probably the foundational aspect of that, calming the egoic mind, calming the thinking mind and, and allowing, you know, the space and the time to really decide, is that thought mine or is that thought some something else outside of me? Whether that's, you know, a program that was that from childhood has been a part of me or, you know, uh, some people talk about a spirit that that came into me or uh, again, just depending on how much magic you believe. Um, it's just All kind of it. figuring, yeah, it's figuring out what that is, what aspect is me, what aspect is not me, and then making decisions based off of those understandings and understanding that it evolves, that your path, that your mission in life, that the reason that you've incarnated here evolves as you live. And I think for some people in society, that that idea hasn't permeated yet. They they figured out at 18 or 22 or 29 or 35 that, okay, this is my mission in life. But they, they don't evolve past that. They don't, once they've achieved that mission, it's like, okay, I'm done. I give up. Like I can just coast from here on out. And it's like, if you choose to, you can be, you know, you can go through that death and rebirth three, four, five, six, seven times if you really want to. And th that's what you know, these great spiritual leaders talk about is that life is about death and rebirth, not one, one birth, one death. It's, it's a death and rebirth over and over and over again, going through that alchemical process three, four, five, six times, as many times as, as you feel comfortable doing and, and realizing that just because you've achieved one level, there's always another level above that always. Mm -hmm. well. So well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you coming on, Kevin. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing the the Conscious Capitalist meetings. Yeah. Uh, if you're in Austin, uh, these are on Meetup if you want. And uh, just give us a little bit about what you're working on and anything you want to share with any of the listeners. Yeah, so as far as that Meetup goes, uh, we meet at the Capital Factory on the third Thursday of every month. No, third Wednesday, excuse me, yeah. third Wednesday of every month. And we're there to educate people on what conscious capitalism is, help people bring more tools and skills back to their business so they can operate um, 
in a more conscious way. Uh, and then also connect people who are interested in conscious capitalism as well. So that's kind of our, our mission as a group and why we exist. So looking forward to uh, continuing the meetings. Our next one's on creating a conscious culture. I thought our discussion last week on harnessing higher purpose was was really good. So um, yeah, just looking forward to to keeping it going and seeing what comes of it. Beautiful. And if people want to um, hire you as as a <laughs> fractional or their chief HR officer, uh, where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so my website is ilovehr.io, or you can just search me on LinkedIn, Kevin Blaushield. And uh, yeah, I'm, I do fractional chief human resources officer. So uh, what that means is if you're a small business and you don't have the need for like a full-time C-level HR leader, and even if you did have the need for it, you're not going to shell out, you know, a high six-figure salary. Uh, I do that role just on a part-time basis. So for small companies with, you know, 25 to 50 people, they can work part-time on developing uh, and executing a people and culture strategy. So so that's what I do for, for small companies and startups. Beautiful. I wish I had known about you a couple of years ago when I was running my small business. So, But I really appreciate you coming in, Kevin. Your perspective is beautiful. I think, you know, fundamentally, the change starts with the individual, and that's the, the whole mission of this show. So I really appreciate uh, all your insights. Totally. Yeah, man. Thanks. This was great. Looking forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah. Have a good one. Awesome. You too, man. Take care. Thank you again for listening to Changing the Channel with Joe Garner. If you enjoyed the show, please follow the podcast, hit the bell to know when a new show comes out, share with a friend, and rate us on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It helps get these messages out to more people to create the collective shift in reality we are here to experience. Make sure you interact with the Q&A and poll sections of the show so I can continue to provide content you enjoy. Finally, check out my website in the show notes to become a VIP of Changing the Channel and join the shift that is happening.